Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Fucking hell. You want to talk about some Helmicrons? Ugh, I... No. Ugh... <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah, when you said I, you, you weren't looking forward to this book, I was like, but it's a Rachel book. But, uh, you know, the past couple of Rachel books have been kind of duds. So maybe that's what she's not excited about. But no, I knew why. Just just ask me, ask me, ask me if I want to talk about this book again. Do it again. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this book? <laughs> oh, no. You've broken the audio. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this fucking book. Oh my god, but it's it's going to be so funny because you're going to be so mad. Um, okay, if, true. If it makes you feel any better, I have like one and a half pages of notes. Like, I have nothing for this book. So I, oh my god, I didn't even think I was going to hit five pages, which is about what I do for every book. I did. I barely made it over five, but... Okay. Um, it was also because at the end, I started just hurtling a lot of abuse at this ghostwriter. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, let's just, let's get, let's go through up front how we got Emily Costello as our ghostwriter. Because some dumb fucking ass at Scholastic went, you know what was a really good Animorphs book? Alternomorphs 2. Let's get that person on a real book. And Oh, <laughs> this... really? Emily Costello, her oh, only other Animorphs no. accreditation, accredi- accreditation? Yes. Emily Costello wrote Alternomorphs 2 and this fucking book. Oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, we never hear from her again. Oh, shit. I, somebody, this is another situation that happened around the same book. Let me tell you all the things that I have made up about this book. Also, what happened was somebody was like, you know what? You know what little Timmy really likes? This is a very fat executive at Scholastic. He's a large man, white, overweight, smoking a cigar, wearing probably a tuxedo. It's, like, <laughs> it's Winston Churchill. <laughs> it's Winston Churchill, but without a mustache. Okay. No no facial hair, no good comebacks. I don't, not... think, I don't think Winston Churchill had a mustache. Whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter. It doesn't I doesn't matter. Mustache or not, whatever. This is the guy in my head. He leans over to whoever was the fucking Michael Grant and Kay Applegate's person at Scholastic that was supposed to be working on their behalf. And he leans over and he says, you know, my little Timmy, he fucking loves that magic school bus. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how we got this fucking book. It's so funny because the last Helmicron's book I I thought was very magic school bus. Yeah. And yeah. 
And in this book, they literally say Magic School Bus. They directly reference it. So Like 14 times. Oh, my God. And they even, even worse than that, they reference their own, like, other Animorphs books. Like, hey, remember Animorphs number blah, 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 when I did this? And it's like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> for real. Wow. Fuck off. Oh, no. And, like... Here's another problem that I really, really had with it. And this is now veering into actual critique and away from just bashing this poor person that wrote this book 20 years ago (laughs) and probably just to collect a paycheck and get the fuck out of there because we're all, like, just struggling hard in this world. But the biggest problem that I had with it was this wasn't a Rachel book. This wasn't an any person book. Mm. There was no distinct voice in this book at all. Mm -hmm. Like... Nothing was happening to a person. We're not like, oh, we're in their head. We're learning. We're seeing what they're thinking about this shit. Uh This is like, it's just a straight written book about characters. Like, why say it's a Rachel book? Why? This could be anybody because it's nobody. Yeah, I could see that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. Exactly what I was hoping for. (laughs) If I had a Fitbit right now. Oh, no. (laughs) breathe this is you know all the times i said before like i think this might be my least favorite animorphs book i was a fucking idiot back then (laughs) this is my least favorite animorphs book every time oh no oh dear (sighs) how the fuck did we start the 40s off with fucking marco and and myrtle and forgot his name i'm so sorry gefinilin yeah gefinilin Mm-hmm. How do we start off so strong with that? And then last book was my least favorite Animorphs book. And this one was your least favorite Animorphs book. I know. And like, there's so many people that didn't like the Myrtle and Gefinilin because of how problematic it was. So like, it was just like three big, like, blap in a row. Hmm. But this, this, I I know you said the last book was your least favorite, but I think you're wrong. I think this is your least favorite <laughs> book. Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Your opinion, and here's the other thing. I don't think, oh, you're wrong that this should be your least favorite book. I'm saying you're wrong. This is your least favorite book. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> your opinion overall isn't wrong. Your opinion of your in your own head is wrong. Sure. And I'm going to tell <laughs> you're going to you prove why. to me that this is the worst Animorphs <laughs> book. It's just like, I mean, I know that I hate the Helmicrons at least as much, if not more, than most people, but like. Did they not suck so bad? Yes. I feel like when I finished this book, I wasn't overtly offended by any of it. But I'm, I'm looking forward to being... I'm, I'm looking forward to you changing my mind as we talk about it. Because sometimes it's hard for me to really grasp the nuances of the book that I just read. Mm-hmm. So that's where the discussion is helpful. And, and I'll just start this by saying not only have I read this book before in my life... Um, it did take me a full week to get through this fucking book. Oh, no. Okay, I literally, I sorry to take this into like super real territory, but like when Steven, who's, who's one of my birds, when Steven died, I literally thought, I can't fucking read this book right now. Oh, no. Like, I don't kick me when I'm down. Oh, no. Like, I just, I just lost a I beloved do. pet. You can't make me read this fucking book. That's legit why I'm like, can we not record today? Can we do it this oh, week? Oh, no. Because I'm legitimately like, I cannot read this book right now. Oh, this is so mean to me oh, personally. No. It was self-care. 
It was. It was legitimately like, listen, for my own well-being, I can't read this book. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, And it's not because it was like really emotional or like I just couldn't like take it was just I fucking this is the worst fucking book and it just ugh. I just can't I just can't right now uh, yeah. <sighs> I understand thank god because if <laughs> if I tried to explain that to so many other people they'd be like I don't get it just read the book like, <laughs> no I couldn't this is so upsetting to me as a person ugh <laughs> no. oh. Do you want me to start to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Rachel is kicking Dunkin' Donut employee ass. Doesn't that start strong? Doesn't that sound great? Yeah. What a a great start. Yeah, I was really excited for the start. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I was like, fuck it. I love Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Okay. Except it isn't really Dunkin' Donuts employees. They're actually controllers that are working on a, in a factory that is making portable Kindrona rays for all yurks so that they won't have to go to the main pools anymore. But this factory is disguised as a Dunkin' Donuts factory, and they're even making donuts up front. Rachel can hear a commotion on the other side of a wall, which the Animorphs, is, it's just the rest of them destroying the factory and knocking over equipment and shit. And then she sees Marco on her side of the wall, and he's surrounded by, like, 30 controllers. And she's like, great! She goes charging in, she's grabbing controllers and throwing them aside with her trunk, and they're doing, like, humorous, like, well, no! As they, like, <laughs> fly away. And then Jake's like, everybody, let's leave. We only have three minutes left in Morph. So they run out of the factory... And, like, Rachel's an elephant, like, very conspicuous, runs into an alley where they've stashed their clothes, and they just start to demorph in this alley. Well, okay. Um, I have a donut-related rabbit hole to go down. Let's do it. I've, I've only been in a couple Dunkins in the past mm-hmm. few months. Mm-hmm. They don't do, they don't make the donuts there, do they? Uh, no, they ship them in... I mean, they're allegedly fresh, like made that morning from allegedly. some sort of center. They're okay. allegedly fresh. But yeah, they ship them in every morning. Okay, because I'm thinking about Krispy Kreme, which is an establishment I visited more to, than Dunkin' Donuts, only because it's closer to me where I live mm-hmm. at any given point in my life. Um, and they have like the whole like the glass wall with the factory behind it where you can see the donuts on the assembly mm. line being made. Yeah. And it's just, I never noticed that before. So I wondered if Duncan had that or if it was just... They do not. They okay. ship them in every morning. Well, mm-hmm. the more you know. <laughs> yes, I've been there when the donut truck has arrived. Ugh. I mean, I don't buy their, their donuts generally. That's sure. not something I generally eat, but I've been there when the truck has arrived. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. Also, I wonder why Rachel picked elephant over grizzly. This is a departure. I think because Emily Costello read only the briefs for books one through ten and oh. didn't fucking bother to learn anything else about animorphs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, like, I was so mad at her, I kept referring to her by name in my head that's how i didn't even have to look at any of the notes or the wikipedias or anything to know that emily costello is my most hated enemy oh no but you loved in the time of the dinosaurs she didn't do that she did alternomorphs too the oh sorry sorry, sorry 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 i was why was i thinking megamorphs because alternomorphs and megamorphs are very similar okay in name okay yeah. we're good 
I'm... No, worse. Worse. That's what... You're probably like, oh, wow. So you liked her and then you hated her. No. No, yeah. she did the Choose Your Own Adventure book. I double hate her. Okay. Okay. This was... Because uh, I had constructed this narrative with, with Megamorse, too, and thinking like, oh, the, she was at a really high point and then she made this and there was a horrible sense of betrayal. But no. Oh, n- no. There's it's... no... <laughs> It was more like, oh, she disappointed me. Maybe she will rise to the occasion, and nope. then they just disappoint you again. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. This makes more sense to me now. Yeah. Sorry. We went on a journey together. <laughs> I I wish the narrative was that I had liked Emily Costello at some point, and then she betrayed me. But honestly, our relationship has been bad from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you were just saying earlier, like, we have a problematic relationship with people that we've never met and us thinking that we know them. But I truly think that Emily Costello and I have a personal relationship where she decided to betray me multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. I think she did this just to spite oh, me. No. <laughs> Part of me is very afraid that some of these ghostwriters will come back and find this podcast and then their feelings will be hurt. Oh my God. What if they find our, what if they like only they're like, Oh, look at this resurgence of animals podcast. And they just go through like one by one and like listen to the books that they wrote and like uh-huh. what people are saying about it. And oh, no. I, I mean, I haven't listened to morph club or um, I've listened to a few of the dork bizarre chronicles, that sort of stuff. But like, I haven't listened to this episode on any other animals podcast. And I hope that they say some nice things so that by the time that Emily Costello gets to our podcast and was thinking like, Oh, mixed reviews. It wasn't my best work, but you know, I, I tried with what I had. I hope she listens to our podcast and then just is like, Oh no, everyone hates me. And then, like, I don't want her to do anything drastic, but I would like her to feel bad about what she did. <laughs> Retroactively, two decades ago, bad. <laughs> she should know that what she did here was wrong and not good. <laughs> it's like it's like smacking a dog two hours after it peed on your carpet. Yeah, because it looked guilty when you got home. Yeah, oh, no, no, it didn't know. It was reacting to you. Ugh. But what she did here was bad and mean, and I will not stand for it. This is a humor podcast, everyone. I think this is just a bashing podcast at this point. I think I'm going to have to change all the tags from here on out. This is an anti-Emily Costello podcast. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I mean, I shouldn't be so mean. I didn't bother to look up anything else she did in her life. She might be the greatest author of our time. Maybe she wrote, like, the good version of Twilight. I don't know. All I know is that she did so bad to Animorphs. (laughs) She did very bad. Let's talk about how bad she did. Okay. Okay. Um, Here's the only plot point in this book. (laughs) The kids are all demorphing in an alley, except Tobias, of course, uh, when there's a sudden flash. Someone had taken a picture of them. They heard squeaky shoes running away on wet pavement, and Jake's like, Tobias, get him. And Rachel's like, oh no, I better help him. So, like, goes to Bald Eagle right away with, like, reckless abandon, and then follows wow. Tobias. I mean, that's maybe accurate to Rachel's character, but whatever. Um... <laughs> He had apparently managed to locate this kid, and they watched him go into a building where he presumably lives, but they couldn't really see him because it was dark, and both of them went to Daybirds. Tobias, not his fault. Rachel's definitely her fault. Yeah, what the fuck? They have owls. 
Yeah. They all have owls. Yeah. And Jake does follow with everybody else a few minutes later, all in owl morph. And they're like, Jake left when it was safe to leave. Like, implying, like, Rachel took off recklessly. Jake set up a plan and, like, didn't ever punish or say anything to Rachel about it. Just kind of showed up later. Yeah. Jake sets up a watch where he's like, Tobias and Axe, you guys are first. Rachel has to get up in the middle of the night. And by the time she gets back, she's exhausted. She's going to be even more exhausted because a short time later, she's headed to the barn for a meeting. When they get there, Tobias is like, we found the guy and the camera, we think. And uh, then they're like starting to spitball a plan when a Barbie Jeep pulls into the barn seemingly under its own power until the kids realize it's being driven by a tiny spaceship. And that's when they hear an annoying and awful voice demanding that they hand over the power source and they will be not destroyed when their planet is taken over if they agree to do this thing. This is an interesting visual. How does a tiny spaceship drive a Barbie car? Like, are there little metal arms that come out of the spaceship that have the steering wheel? <laughs> and, okay. Like, I'm picturing, like, a tiny Zeppelin that's just, like, sitting in the front seat. That's kind of what I, I was know. picturing. But, like, a, a little Barbie Jeep. Now, I'm not picturing, like, the cars that, like, toddlers drive. I'm picturing, like, the, right, yeah, the yeah, tiny, yeah. right. The the Barbie-sized ones. Yeah, yeah the Barbie-sized ones that are purple and pink. And, like... Yeah. There's... <laughs> Where did it come from, though? They probably stole it from a child. I don't know. <laughs> Out in the middle of nowhere where Cassie lives on a farm? Is it Cassie's Jeep? It might be Cassie's Jeep. <laughs> like her old Jeep? <laughs> Maybe it's like the, the fucking pump in the yard. Like her mom is like, lawn art. Have a Barbie Jeep. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my Maybe God. it's from Cassie's alleged nieces and nephews that we hear about once every 30 books or so. She has nieces and nephews? Doesn't she? Didn't they mention that? And like, I've never heard this. I feel like there was one book very early on, like book four, that she says she has like nieces or nephews. And then there was one book recently where she mentioned it again. And it's like... A throwaway line, it never amounts to anything, and we're always like, wait, she has siblings? And then we try to figure it out, and then yeah, it Yeah, I was nowhere. about to say, like, that would imply that she has siblings, which we, I don't think is a thing. I mean, I don't know. Unless she has, like, older siblings that go to college that don't live at home that she never talks about. What? I don't know. That seems weird. Her family's so close. I feel like we've had this conversation twice at two very different times. <laughs> <laughs> no way. She's... She's totally an only child. She screams only child. Like, her entire... She does. Ah. And then I feel like at one point we also speculated maybe one of her parents had a child from a previous relationship, but then we were like, no, her parents are too... I don't know. Her parents to... They met at some dorky vet conference and fell in love. I don't know. Like, there's no way. I don't know. I don't know. Where did this Jeep come from? Send in your thoughts. Anonymous at gmail.com. Yeah, anonymous at gmail.com. Maybe the <laughs> clinic is like, we have kids for when we bring them to the clinic to show them rehab centers, and we also have a toy box, and it had a Barbie Jeep in it. But then also, the ship is not powered up. Like, it cannot fly. Yes. So how is it moving this thing, and how far has it had to travel with this fucking thing? And if it was right at Cassie's barn already, why get uh-huh. the car instead of... Oh, I have an idea. Yeah, I'm ready. Previous Helmicron book, 
we were talking about everybody was piling together donations to, to give to Goodwill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cassie and her family just set out a pile of donations, including Cassie's old Barbie Jeep. Mm-hmm. And the Helmicrons were like, oh, it's donation day. Of course, we're going to show up, steal the Jeep and drive back into the barn, you know, a good like 50 feet away. Yes. That's my headcanon. Okay. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. Okay. Also, what happened to their ship where it's not powerful enough to fly anymore, but can like move a car? I, I have nothing for that. It's fine. It's not even the biggest issue. <laughs> this, is <funny. laughs> this, this is fine. We're, <laughs> we're lowering ourselves into the vat of acid, and this is only our big toe. <laughs> God. We've already gone insane. We're only 10 pages in. I'm only 10. I'm still on page one. Jesus. Okay, let, let me keep going. Do it. Not because I want to, but because I have bound myself to this duty. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Helmicrons are here. Everybody is surprised to see them. Marco says, I can't believe no one's blasted these maniacs out of the galaxy yet. And frankly, I am in agreement. Agree. Hard agree. Hard agree, Marco. You and I are one today. <laughs> so this Barbie Jeep takes off towards a freezer at the back of the barn. The kids follow it. Like, what the fuck is it doing? And Jake's like, is it in there? And Cassie nods, it being the blue box. The Helmicrons then start cutting through the f- side of the freezer because apparently their lasers are still at full fucking power for some reason, even though the ship can't fucking fly. So yes. Marco and Rachel jump in to stop them the two of them jumped at the same time and unfortunately rachel was a little too exuberant and elbowed marco in the head and he fell into the freezer and knocked himself out cold because it's a classic like (laughs) bumped heads Uh, fuck this uh, so (laughs) marco got knocked out but this also sent the ship tumbling off towards Tumbling off the car. Gax is getting angry because I'm angry. No, no, Gax. Gax, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. I know it's fine. It's fine. Okay. So Tobias (laughs) (laughs) warns Rachel. (laughs) He's like, oh, no, the Helmicrons are getting away. So she grabs the ship, but Tobias is like, they're still getting away. And she's like, oh, no. He realizes that they, they bailed on the ship and they're just in the ground why don't you just stomp on them i okay i realize you can't see me nor can anyone else i'm just raising my arms in a confused like <laughs> i don't know i mean she probably wouldn't have killed them because they're so small uh-huh but they would have just like hidden in the gaps in her shoes but sure but still, she could have made an effort yeah she could have done any number of things like, that would have been a more interesting character moment. Like, Tobias is like, oh, they're still getting away because they're out of the ship. And she immediately, like, instinct just starts stomping everywhere. And then maybe Cassie's like, oh, but, oh, Rachel, no. And, you know, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Oh, there's there's many options they could have gone with. That would have been... <laughs> That would have been great. It could have been like, oh, no. And then also maybe there's like a mention back to Cassie losing it at the Buffa Man book and how that's what she did to the ants and her being like, oh, yeah, that could have happened. Also, mm-hmm. um, how are the Helmicrons traveling so fast towards Marco? Oh, yeah. Well, speeds. Yeah. Like, is there something else going on with the Helmicrons? Did like the ship end up in packs? his lap? <laughs> yeah. Packs? Yeah. Yeah. 
but you know what? Time, distance, space, they don't apply in this book. Let me tell you right now. Time, no. distance, doesn't fucking matter. This is of no consequence to this author, Emily Costello. <laughs> who we will refer to by her full name by her full name because she needs to realize what she's done <laughs> if i knew her middle name i'd add that in too <laughs> that's when you know you're in real trouble i'm only not including it because i don't know it wish i did i don't know before anything can even happen the helmicrons are up marco's nose and they're like, we're going to kill him. And then order, they order the Animorphs to surrender. And Rachel's like, something about them dying. I don't know. And then they're like, the Helmicron females are not afraid to die. And then they carried on for a bit in their Helmicron way. And then the males are like, we too are not afraid to die. And then Cassie's like, remember back to the last Helmicron's book when we gave the males a pep talk and we started a sex war? And like uh. basically just recaps the end of that book for several minutes and then jake's like maybe infighting is a good thing and thus starts the things that jake says that never pay off (laughs) i'm like they've already introduced three different like major plot points in this book one was the portable candronas that could have been really interesting two was the exposure via the camera kid Yes. And three was the Helmicrons. So we've already had like three false starts already. And it's like, what plot point are you going to pick for this fucking thing? And you know what? This is like, you remember that scene in Avatar The Last Airbender where there's like, there's two options and they're like, actually, there's 53 options and I chose yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing. Yep. This is what Emily Costello did. She said, <laughs> I choose nothing. And then oh, no. put this book up here. Oh, dear. But it wasn't funny like Avatar. She probably thought it was because she is terrible judgment, clearly. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Please continue. Okay. So the Helmicrons go up Marco's nose and nobody knows what to do. They're all like, oh, we have to go after them. Should we go flee? No, that's a terrible idea. How are we going to fuck around in Marco's body and have a magic school bus adventure if we go flee? Cassie's like, I don't know, let's use the blue box to power up the Helmicron ship and shrink us down, and then we can go magic school bus our way around Marco's body. And Jake's like, great, Tobias, go get Axe, and also get Eric, because we want him to keep a watch on the kid that took our picture. Does this ever play out? That she? No, you bet it doesn't. Nope. nope. I'll save that complaint for later, because there's a very specific example I would like to scream about. So, <laughs> Axe arrives later with Tobias. It... Actually, Axe arrives almost instantaneously with Tobias because, again, time and distance is of no matter to this author. And uh, Axe goes, yeah, we'll shrink him down and we'll have a battle in Marco's body. That's the only way to go because, you know, they've seen our faces and maybe we'll tell the Yerks. Who can tell? Axe says the most half-assed things in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so many of his thoughts are so... Ill-conceived. Okay. Sorry. Axe demorphs. He fiddles with the Helmicron ship for like an hour before he gets it working. And he's also using Cassie's dad's surgical tools, which I thought was like a really cool thing. Like, yeah, I love that idea. Does it ever lead to anything? No, of course not. And it just reminds me of the time that Cassie performed surgery on his brain. Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't recap the plot of that book for us while we were here. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, 
Cassie dug the morphing cube out of the fridge, and the best part of this was that she kept handing Rachel mystery things that were in the fridge. I loved that. I This was probably the only part of the book I truly loved was, like, <laughs> when she was like, yeah, she handed me, like, goop and, like, wouldn't tell me what it was. And, like, Rachel's like, what's in this freezer? And it's like, oh, dead mice and medicine. Oh, and popsicles. And I'm like, aw, <laughs> I remember that. That's adorable. <laughs> it is adorable. Oh, we learned her dad likes great popsicles. I mean, honestly, that's probably the biggest thing to happen in this book. <laughs> that's the most important character moment. It was. It was the only character development we ever saw, so... <laughs> <laughs> if you can call it that i'm not sure you can but oh my God. whatever yeah so this was like the part that i liked just that <laughs> that instance <laughs> um and then rachel went to sit next to marco and comfort him but no. like once she sat down next to him she couldn't like she just couldn't bring herself to do anything so she was like, I wanted to, like, I don't know, put an arm around him and say, like, it'll be okay or whatever. But, like, instead, no. we just sat awkwardly next to each other. It's weird! Like, yeah, way to make it fucking weird. <laughs> Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, she's mentioned in previous books that she knows Marco isn't the huggy type. Yes. And she wouldn't, she's not the huggy type either, so she wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, and you'd think that maybe she would, like, mention that in this book, but it turns out she has no idea what Marco's like at all until the final two chapters when she and Marco become one in the brain and she knows absolutely everything Marco would say and exactly how he'd say it. Oh, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, um, this was, like, a super weird moment. And, like, it, they kind of tried to go for, like, Rachel was joking with him, like, gallows humor, but, like, it never works, and it never is that. It's just not good. <laughs> like, it's just not. Sorry. Do not be. Um, I feel like, also, maybe it's just because of the Facebook discussion about Megamorphs 4 and Rachel and Marco, like, getting along uh -oh. so well and having such good banter. Yeah. That this really, like, it felt like... Oh, they wanted to continue that, like, banter and, like, that relationship between them, but unfortunately just didn't know how to write books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Like, they didn't know how to get the character voice. They didn't know the, how, what dialogues. I tried to make it better. Like, I tried to make it not a personal attack, but then everything I said made it worse. So I'm just going to stop and say, like, it didn't work out, man. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, uh, Axe gets the Helmicron ship working to shrink them down. And at first, Jake is like, oh, Axe, you're going to stay back here with Marco. And Marco's like, hell no. If, if anything, I want Axe in my body fighting so that I have a better chance of survival. What is he going to do here? Like, hold my hand and tell me it's okay? No. Get that alien in my body. Um, Marco then informed them that he would be the one that would be shrinking them down. And after the shock of that statement wore off, everybody's like, well, yeah, I guess if we go into his body, he does get to shrink us. And Axe is like, don't pull the right lever. And Marco's like, got it, left lever. And Axe is like, pull the left lever only. And Marco's like, got it, the left lever. And Axe is like, only use the left lever. It's like, dude, we get it. <laughs> so, um, Marco zapped him and they shrink. 
Everyone's shrinking, falling, watching Marco become a giant, blah, blah, blah. Jake reminds Marco, no morphing. But of course, Marco's like, no, what? It's so hard to hear you when you're tiny. And then Marco goes all SpongeBob on them and he goes, I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. And the stress is exactly like that in the book. Like, it's exactly SpongeBob in the book. Perfect. Yes. And then Axe steps in and starts thought speaking between them, saying no morphing. And there's also some very odd instances in this book of size somehow affecting thought speak or them implying it did, which makes zero sense, but whatever. Marco agreed, and he says, your puny lives are in my hands. And Rachel was like, I felt a very real fear in that moment. And the only reason I even noted that Rachel said that was because this is the first time that we have seen Rachel assert any opinion since the beginning of the book. Like, this is what I mean by, like, there's no real character narrating this book. Like, every once in a while we get these things like, Rachel felt this, and it's, like, jarring almost because you're like, whoa, whoa, sorry, I forgot, like, someone was telling me this. (laughs) All of a sudden, Marco's voice just stops, and they realize they've shrunk too small to hear sound. And as Cassie points out, that didn't happen last time. Something has gone terribly wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, We cut to Marco's perspective, because we have chapters in this book by Marco. Which, uh, it scared me initially. Um, Oh, yeah, I forgot that you had, yeah. Yeah, I'd looked at the the little spreadsheet we had, and I mm-hmm. it was like Rachel, some chapters by Marco, and I, you know, I jumped to the worst conclusions. I mean, I don't know what you could have jumped to that's much worse than this. <laughs> Shit. <Deep cut laughs> Sorry. Happening. Sorry, that was the, so mean. The okay. Deepest, deepest cuts. I'm going to try to be more positive from here on out okay right up until the end when i'm gonna go right back in a negative but from here on out right up until the last three to four chapters i'm gonna try to be positiver than i am now positiver positiver anyways yeah no it was totally like when you were telling me that i i felt like you were thinking oh does rachel like die momentarily or something like how what happened in like cassie's book right where we have a few chapters by jake because she was stuck as a butterfly yeah 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 Mm -hmm. that's exactly what i thought something like that yeah like rachel would be indisposed or something yeah exactly so we needed somebody else to tell that perspective yeah but no it's just because we're having a magic school bus interaction so we're getting like the inside and the outside (laughs) that was nice i said that in a nice way (laughs) (laughs) it's too late (laughs) i've already tainted it for you i'm so sorry Marco is freaking out and trying to crack jokes. And Axe reaches out and says, like, hey, we are too small to hear you. And Marco's like, what? But can you hear me talking now? And then after a moment, Axe is like, no, we can't hear you talking. I, it's a whole thing. Wait, what? Um, yeah, it's it's like super weird. Like, Axe is saying something and then Marco responds. But, like, he's Axe just told him, like, hey, we are too small for you to hear us. We can't hear you. And Marco keeps asking questions, and then they keep answering the questions even though they can't hear the questions Marco is asking. Yeah, like, have you ever been on a conference call where someone is muted? Like, people don't talk like that. Oh, my God. Okay, can I can I just brag for a second about how good I am about this now? <laughs> yes. On conference calls, 
I feel like I hesitate for longer waiting for people to reply. Like I'll say, okay, is there anything else anybody has about blah, blah, blah? And I pause and I pause for long enough that some other members of my team, I feel get stressed out. So a lot of them kind of like jump in. But the one thing I'm really good at is I'll say, okay, so-and-so you want to talk about blah, blah, blah. And I give it two beats. And if they don't start, I'm like, and if you're talking right now, you're on mute. And it's like so smooth. I'm so good at this now Ooh. because fucking everybody's on mute and you're always talking to me on mute and you gotta stop doing this to me. Oh my God. Uh, and then sometimes I'll like, I'll be in like the conference thing and I can see when somebody's muted. And so I'll be like, hey, yo, just so you know, like so-and-so when you're gonna talk, you're on mute. So don't forget to like undo your mute on the oh, thing. Oh, nice. Instead of just like interrupting them. Exactly. It's like just a pre-warning. Okay. Or like if somebody's nice. like has barking or something in the back or like as I incorrectly identified a baby crying and not a cat as I identified it. <laughs> Why is it so hard to tell the difference? I have no idea. Like babies mm. and cats, are they the same? Who can tell? <laughs> cats, I think, adopt the, the cadence of a baby's cry just to get attention. Oh. I legitimately think that's a thing scientifically. I I have heard a lot about like cats changing their meow to like communicate with humans because they don't do that to each other. Yeah, as yeah, often. yeah. I've heard yeah. that. Yeah, it only makes sense if a baby cries, parents go attend to it. The cat goes, "Oh, if I do that, <laughs> I shall yeah. be attended to." <laughs> I human now. Thank you. <laughs> I demand to be fed. I've only been fed twice today. I don't think you ever had her as a teacher, but do you remember how Susan used to say, like, she said it 14 times throughout the year of classes I had with her that her cats were her favorite because they're the only species that domesticated themselves. Aww. Yeah. It's it's kind of true, though, because, yeah, like you said, like, cats don't communicate with each other in the same way they communicate with humans. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for all the people that say that cats aren't social, it's like, fuck you. They developed a second language just so they can communicate with us. Like they're super social. And I did, st I steal that from a tweet that somebody made. I'm so sorry. <laughs> do, no, do not be sorry. I feel like a lot of that is because cats' body language is so much harder to read, to me at least, than like dogs or horses or even birds. Like, I find it, I find them to be the most difficult to read. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've lived with a cat for the past six years, and at mm -hmm. least I can figure her out. Um, yeah. I mean, cats, I think, are a little more, uh, they'll just kind of randomly bite you with no real warning more often I, yeah. than not. Yeah. Because, like, with a dog, it's like, you know, they'll give you a clear indication before they bite you. Cats don't always do that, I feel like. And even, like, birds. Like, I can look at a bird and I can be like, oh, he's mad. He might bite me. And, like, cats, I'm like, I don't know. I was just petting you. I thought we were having fun, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and horses Ugh. are very easy to tell if they're about to bite you. They are very distinct in their face. Like, <laughs> I'm about to fuck you up and you have to be like, well, okay. But I feel like I wouldn't necessarily know that because I don't spend a lot of time around horses. You know what I mean? So I feel like horses are a gimme. Birds, for sure. If you don't spend a lot of time around birds, that's definitely hard to tell. I feel like horses are just super expressive before they attack. Like, not so much with, like, uncomfortableness or, like, happy or, like, those kind of, like, more 
in between moods but like when a horse is angry they have a very ugly face that they make (laughs) i know their ears go back but that's about all i can right back to the neck very angry open mouth nostrils flared then they jump at you (laughs) that being said i've also seen a hundred videos of like some idiot being like the pony's connecting with me and i'm like oh oh you're about to get oh oh shit you're you're fucked i'm sorry Ugh. yeah i hate that I hate it when you can see the animal is clearly giving you warning signs and people are just like, oh, you're so cute. It's like, mm, yes. okay, good. say goodbye to your face. <laughs> you didn't need that face, did you? Because it's gone now. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Oh, Did you see the video that went viral recently about the kid that went up to the draft horse to, like, feed him a treat and the horse grabbed his hood and just kept shaking him? Oh, my God, <laughs> no. It's the funniest fucking video. And, like, the best part is, like, I... The horse is just, like, he's not trying to attack the kid, per se. He's, like, just looking for, like, treats or something and just kind of got aggressive about it. But, like, (laughs) it's just so funny because everybody's freaking out because the kid's, like, literally, like, stuck and can't get out of there. And the horse is just shaking. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, you'll have to send that to me. I will. I'll post it on her. That'll be our our weekly thing. A week before this comes out, I'll just post that GIF or or video of the kid getting (laughs) demolished. (laughs) Marco's mad, blah, blah, blah. Uh, They can't hear you. Hi, hi, Captain. Um, And also, Marco's just generally confused and angry, and he's starting to get really stressed out because he can't talk to anybody. He can't hear what's going on. He he knows that he doesn't want to hear what's going on, but also he can't. And so he's just thinking about writing everybody goodbye notes. And here are his three priorities when saying goodbye to people. One, Jake has to take his stereo. Two, he's going to tell his dad what really happened to his mom. Three, Note to Rachel about the dream he had where she begged him to marry her. What the fuck? That's his priority list. Whatever. And then uh, the rest of the team is on the ground. They're like, we have to go up his nose. He's like, I can't find you. I don't know what to do. He hears them freaking out. Then there's a beetle on the ground. He figures that's the source of the freak out. He hones in on where that beetle is, flicks it away, and then he finds some specks of sand that are too colorful, in quotation marks, Uh, And then he's found his friends, but he doesn't know how to pick them up. We cut back to Rachel's perspective, where the kids are like, how do we tell Marco how to stuff us up his nose? And they decide they're going to cling to a piece of hay and have Marco just, like, hold it up by his face. Snort it. He's basically going to snort some hay. (laughs) Hey, man, you want to snort some hay? (laughs) You want to do a fucking snort of Animorph? (laughs) Get get those good kids up your nose. Oh, God. (laughs) So anyways, um, Marco surprisingly picks them up on this piece of hay. And initially he's like picking them up way too fast and they feel yeah, like they're being whipped around. And shit. Yeah, which I think if you're that small probably wouldn't matter. But whatever. He then slows down so that they're comfortable. He eventually gets them to his nose. They climb in. Axe is like, oh no, my hooves are not effective in this environment. Which I think is Andalite shorthand for I don't want to eat your boogers. <laughs> so he morphs Harrier. The others morph to Bird as well because they're like, whatever, this will help us move through faster. Except for the fact that as they're flying, every time he breathes out, they stall out completely and get tired very quickly because of this. They travel pretty deep into his nose when they start hearing the Helmicrons. They approach, 
but something is very, very wrong. The Helmicrons are a hundred times their size. Axe goes, maybe I made a calculation error, and Cassie goes, not likely, probably the Helmicrons set up a trap thinking that they would use the, the ship to shrink themselves. Which just seems insane that the Helmicrons would have the foresight to do this. Yeah. Like, that's... We've never seen the Helmicrons think on that sort of scale before. I'm also having some weird, like, size depictions in my brain. Yeah. I'm trying to picture the Helmicrons being small enough to climb up a nasal passage, and then the Animorphs being even smaller somehow. But Marco still being able to see them in the sand. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I feel like it's the same thing. Because you were saying this last time we were doing the Helmicron thing, too, where, uh-huh. like, the sizes were very yeah, willy-nilly. They don't really yeah. make sense. I agree. And, like, especially because last time, like, when they went flea, they went to, like, the subatomic level. Like, yeah. we should be seeing them basically there now. Right. But then somehow they only go there when they morph a shark, which arguably is larger than a 12, 13-year-old child. Yeah. I would I would guess. Sure. I'm no scientist, but I think sharks are larger <laughs> than preteens. <laughs> it's just a convenient thing. Whatever. So the Animorphs flap up over to the Helmicrons. They listen to them fight for a while. They're all gathered around a Helmicron that's stuck in a puddle of snot. And they're like, do we leave her or do we take her with us? And they're all like, I don't know. They would bring great honor to this Helmicron to die in battle. And the others are like, but we can just get it out of the snot and then she can come with us. And uh, they, the Animorphs leave them to that argument. And they're like deciding what to do and discussing how gross mucus is. When suddenly the wind picks up and it's like roaring all around them. It's like hurricane force winds, as they say. And Jake orders them to fly into the snot. And after Rachel briefly protests doing this, she does fly into the snot and sticks, followed by Tobias and then Cassie and then Axe. And right as Axe gets stuck there, a Helmicron goes whipping past them, declaring they will be back to destroy the giant alien. And then that Helmicron is gone. We cut to Marco's perspective. I know. This, like, I I had a lot of trouble with the whole mucus in the nose scene because, like, one, I wasn't quite sure why we spent so long here. And two, I don't quite understand what's happening at any point in time. In yeah, this scene. like, I, you would think if Marco just shoved his friends up his own nose that he would you know, be conscious of this fact and try not to do anything crazy that involved the nasal passages, like breathe heavily. Mm -hmm. And if he was going to breathe, he would maybe make the conscious decision to breathe through his mouth. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't even know what happened. Did he sneeze? Did he just start? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think he did because we cut back to Marco's perspective right now. And it doesn't say like, I sneezed. Like, it's just something happened. It's implied action, but it, it is never followed up on what exactly it was, which is just confusing. Yeah. And, like, in the next scene, just to start recapping it already, Marco does make the connection, like, oh, this is, like, Fantastic Voyage, which Rachel also mentioned, and which, by the way, I've never seen and have no idea what it is. is <laughs> yeah, I don't either. know if it was, like, yeah, I didn't know if it was, like, a thing every 90s kid should know, because I certainly didn't know it. But, um, 
he mentions right now, like, oh, I thought about going home and laying completely still to make it easier for my friends. And he's like, but I don't want to die staring at the ceiling. So I'm just going to go do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> like, okay, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. You'd think that there's also like a lot of times where um, they were like headed through his body or doing something that I would think Marco has a direct effect over. Like, yeah. He's- biking but his like heart rate isn't elevated his breathing doesn't get heavier it's yeah i was hoping there would be more cause and effect between what marco was doing and how they were reacting in his body and there wasn't really any of that no none at all (sighs) none at all wasted potential yep uh so marco hops on his bike that he allegedly rode over to cassie's and um, heads over to the apartment building where the kid with the camera lives. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, It's not a great neighborhood, and Marcos makes a comment like, I would know that, which leads me to believe this was the neighborhood that they lived in when his dad was having his issues. Sure. But, again, that's never confirmed or denied. And this neighborhood is somehow completely empty at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. He speaks to the Chi out friend who's disguised as a homeless man and then goes around the side of the building to the fire escape where he has to jump up for the ladder a couple times but catches it and pulls it down. It makes no small amount of noise, but absolutely no one looks out their window or does anything. So he just starts climbing up to the fifth floor. He makes it to uh, the correct floor and then looks around for the bedroom that seemed to have, like, the kids crap in it. He sees, like, a room with a camera on the desk and it looks like a teenager's room or whatever. So he uh, just goes in through the broken window. Um, He slides it open, climbs through, and then he hears the familiar click of nails on hardwood floors. And then a dog appeared. This dog started barking and then launched at him. Marco dodged the first time, but the second time the dog latches onto his wrist. He drags the the dog, who is still latched onto him, over to where he sees a baseball bat in the room. And when he is able to get there and grab it, he picks it up and gave the dog a tap across the haunches. He says, not enough to hurt, just enough to get its attention. And then keeping the bat between the dog and himself, he backs out of the window without grabbing the camera that is right there on the desk. I was expecting... um, I was expecting... Because what I would have done is if the dog happened to let go of my wrist, I would have, um, like, given it the bat to bite. Uh Uh-huh. And then just while it was biting the bat, I would have grabbed the camera and then beat it out of there. Yeah, I would have kept the bat between us, grabbed the camera, and gone out. Yeah. I would have done many, many things. Yeah. Also, the dog happened to be a pit bull, so there's Animorphs oh, with its whole anti-pit bull vendetta again. It wasn't... I was so mad at this, not even just because it was a pit bull. It would have been bad enough if they were like, it was a pit bull, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, it was a pit bull with its, like, terrifying teeth and devilish smile and blah, blah, blah. And basically just painting them as, like, the worst yeah. fucking dogs ever. Yeah. It's like... Ugh. Like, it would have been one thing if this was something like... Uh, some sort of like Doberman or something like something that's bred to look like really angular and like really dark and intense. And like, yeah, you know, not that I'm saying any breed has any sort of, you know, is going to attack versus any other breed. Unless you're talking about Chihuahua, which fucking is the worst. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> or dachshunds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like little dogs. But like, I, not that any like dogs like this have any sort of predis- predilection predisposure, I guess, to attacking. But 
the way that they wrote it up just like yeah oh my god yeah made me so mad yeah and then you sent me that story today about the pit bull that the woman kept saying was a bad dog and then he saved her life. <laughs> and I'm like, of course he did because pit bulls are like the sweetest dogs of all time. Aww. So anyways, it made me mad. I'm no, it, it's nothing you did. It was just like, I hated that they decided to like demonize this breed for no reason. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when it's a poodle because it's a poodle. But, like, it's yeah. not funny like this. Yeah, no. It might have been funny if it were a poodle, because then Marco would have been like, oh, it's just a poodle. I know what poodles are like. And then the yeah. poodle, like, fucking ate him. And then he was like, oh, shit. A poodle again. Oh, man. <laughs> I got this. Oh, I don't got this. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it's just like Euclid. Oh, it's not like Euclid. <laughs> yeah, that would have been so much funnier and better. It, and Yeah. And, and how dare you? Truly, how dare you? Pitbulls are the sweetest dogs. They're good babies. I mean, I guess I can mention this later in the book, but like, we also find out that this pitbull isn't acting like under its own accord necessarily, but like, that's never, it's only used as an excuse for Marco. It's never used as an excuse for the dog, which also pisses me off because it's like, if you're just gonna like paint that away with like, oh, it's this reason, then also excuse the dog. Instead yeah. of, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. It's at this point in the book where I'm like, I only have half a page of notes. What's going to go on? Let's find out, I guess. This chapter ends with Marco running out of there, hearing sirens behind him. And as he's running across a parking lot away from the building, he feels something coming out of his nose. He wipes his hand across his nose and comes away with blood. Whee! Then we get to Rachel's perspective, which explains the blood. <laughs> Which would have made sense if we had done this for the sneeze as Right. Well. I agree. Also, it's that weird... It was a weird flip-floppy time, so this one didn't really sit super well with me. Like, I would have liked to see the first half of the chapter with Marco, cut to Rachel, then cut back to Marco for this. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if I was the editor, that's <laughs> how I would have done it. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Rachel and the others were all injured in some way when this wind died down. So, they all started demorphing. Uh, Rachel was missing a bunch of feathers, had a broken wing. Cassie's neck was twisted. Tobias had, I think, just feathers missing. And, like, Axe was missing half a tail or something like that. The Helmicrons were still all arguing amongst themselves. And so, they had plenty of time to decide what they were going to do about the Helmicrons. Cassie's like, I suspect they can't see well in the dark. So, maybe we can use that to our advantage. Again, somebody says something that maybe makes sense, but it never pans out. Yep. Um, Rachel, Tobias, and Axe go battle morph. Cassie and Jake go to something I can see in the dark, and they're like, let's see if we can, like, do any damage. So Rachel is an elephant morph, which is about the size of a house cat to a helm... Like, if a helmicron was human-sized, Rachel is now house cat-sized. Again, its size was weird. Yeah. They go over there. Jake attempts to negotiate, and by doing this, Jake... Like, like, he makes a decision, like, okay, let's negotiate. And then he goes, surrender, we will crush you, and, like, you know, blah, 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 we defend the earth, uh, we'll let you live. And everybody's like, Jake, what the hell happened? That's not negotiating. And he's like, well, this is how Helmicrons negotiate. And it just seemed very much not at all like Jake. No. <laughs> but okay. No. Maybe, maybe this is how it is now. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was really trying. I don't know. 
the Helmicrons laugh at them. Rachel gets mad. She tries to injure one of them by, like, stomping on his foot. And, of course, he doesn't. she doesn't even slightly harm the Helmicron. Then the Helmicron takes out a draking gun and shoots at her. She dodges, but blood wells up from where the shot hit. Um, Jake, of course, panics and goes, no, 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 stop shooting, stop shooting. And the Helmicrons are like, we won't stop until we get the blue box. And Axe goes, well, let's give him the blue box. And Jake is like, dude, what do you mean let's give him the... No, we can't do that. And Axe is like, well, of course we won't really give it to them. It's subterfuge. I believe humans call it double-crossing them. And Jake is like, well, everybody, but Jake especially is, like, horrified that Axe even said this because they're like... Andalites are all about honor and, like, goodness, how could they suggest, like, doing this double-crossing thing? That's terrible. I didn't know how to feel about that at all. Uh, I mean, pretending to cooperate worked for Cassie and, Ra- and Marco before, so. Yeah. I mean, that's all I could think about. I just, like, I don't know why they called it out to me like this isn't, like, acts at all. It's like, yeah, nobody's talking like anybody at all. Yeah, I don't know. It it felt a little contrived. It kind of felt like, ooh, I know what Andalites are like. I read books before. When <laughs> yes. it's, it's actually like, you didn't really need to call attention to that because I, I, I feel like that's something that X could maybe say in that moment because he's disregarded a lot of Andalite things Yeah, <laughs> for the sake of this team, so... And I think the other part of this is it's not like they're talking to the Yerks or something else. It's the Helmicrons, which are always treated with kind of like, oh, yeah. those idiots. Like, Yeah. Like, it, all bets are off when it comes to the Helmicrons. Right, right. It's not about, like, honor on the battlefield. Because it, it shouldn't even be a battlefield with the Helmicrons. It should be like, oh, these are a minor annoyance. Like, you know, nobody. Yeah. It's not a thing. So yeah. it was like the they were just trying to tell me how to feel about what Axe said. And I didn't like that. <laughs> Don't tell me how to feel. Don't tell me how to feel about my own children. <laughs> my son. <laughs> yeah, so whatever. Axe suggests they double cross them. Jake agrees. And then he goes, okay, Helmicrons, we submit. We'll give you the blue box. And the Helmicrons all do. They're like, neep, neep, neep in victory. Shut up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then the Helmicrons go half of us will follow you out and half of us will stay and i had two problems with this one i wrote down in my notes and one i just am gonna say um the helmicrons again like we never they were they've never thought this far ahead before like this is a very weird intelligence move on their part Mm -hmm. but also like if this were uh, i wrote if this were a real animorphs book (laughs) They would probably agree to this plan and then, like, work amongst the team to, like, sow discord amongst the Helmicrons. Like, okay, like, we're all gonna leave, but then we're gonna cause a fight. Like, oh, well, who's gonna stay, the male or the females? And then, like, Uh you know, they decide the... Like, there is... Like, they could have done a lot of the outsmarting right here. Yeah, I agree. Which would have been cool and interesting. Yeah. (laughs) They don't do that. No. (laughs) uh jake just says no deal everybody goes or no one goes and the homicrons are like do you think we're stupid or what and then they all go running towards some sort of drop off and rachel grabs one of their legs and cassie's like no rachel let go you're gonna fall over but it's too late rachel's dragged over the edge and starts falling the edge of what who knows 17 the edge of 17 by stevie (laughs) nicks 
Just like a one-winged bird. Yeah, there's some sort of drop off into his sinuses. <laughs> so Rachel is yelling and falling, and Cassie's like, Don't worry, you're just following down Marco's esophagus. And finally, Rachel stops falling and splashes down. It only takes a second before her skin starts itching, and she can't tell which way is up, and she's underwater, and she can't breathe, and so she's kind of panicking. And then she remembers, in quotation marks, a TV show that she watched once that was a documentary that elephants could swim. Okay. Didn't she already know that from yes. the Jonathan Taylor Thomas book? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad we yeah. both remember that. We did because it was a very big deal in that book. And then she makes some comments here like, who said nature documentaries aren't good or who says TV is bad for your brain or whatever. And it's like, well, no, though. Watch (laughs) more Nat Geo, kids. You can learn a thing. This book was really just an advertisement to watch TV. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Yeah, so she remembers elephants can swim, even though she's been in this exact scenario before. Conveniently. Conveniently. And she kicks up until her trunk breaks the surface, and she breathes in some stinking, horrifying air. Then the Helmicrons see her and start firing at her, but their shots are all missing. And then they start arguing amongst themselves over which stomach wall will fall to the Helmicrons. Might. Uh, And then Rachel starts desperately calling her teammates to get her out of there because she feels like she's in a vat of acid, which she kind of is. Stomach acid. Yeah. And I didn't like... Like, it was very weird to me that Rachel started screaming for her teammates, like, help me, get me out of here. It's like, oh, that's not really. No. Uh, So everybody makes it down onto the stomach in Batmorph, which was good because they could see in the dark. Rachel was blinded by the stomach acid. The Helmicrons are still being Helmicrons. The team is like, okay, you have to morph out of here. And the Helmicrons were firing at their little bat bodies which would be so small to the Helmicrons. Like, Uh I can't even imagine. Whatever, Rachel starts morphing. Uh, She's going as fast as she can to make it back to human, which was terrible because as soon as she got there, everything started burning and she lost focus. Uh, Above her, Axe is pointing out, like, we can't go back up the esophagus, which was their initial plan because Marco's sphincter at the top of his stomach. I love the word sphincter. Me too. Sphincter. (laughs) I appreciated it. And that Cassie was so excited about it, too. Yeah, Cassie's just like, a sphincter! And she's like, of like course. You would know that word, Cassie. You she would, nerd. and she'd love it. Ugh. Cassie was the only one I even slightly liked in this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was so pumped about the sphincter. And then she's like, well, we can't go back up through there. And uh, they're all like, well, what do we do now? And then... Uh, somebody on the team notices there's a few dead Helmicrons, and Rachel's trying to focus on morphing to Bat, but not getting anywhere with it. Uh, the Animorphs then get shot down, like, one in a row. Somebody is able to focus on these microscopic bats with a Draken beam and shoot them all down into the stomach acid, and also none of them die. They just get shot down. Yeah, like, they'd be like, if Rachel is the size of a house cat as an elephant... Mm-hmm. then 
they'd be like like fly sized or smaller as bats. I think smaller right? because like if Rachel is house cat size, then that like growing fly. from I think their human morph would be like around fruit fly. No, okay. Maybe that's not right. I guess Yeah, okay. Maybe Wait, fruit fly or Lena, like half come here, I need a model. <laughs> So, like, yeah, let's do, like, Lena to you. Like, just height-wise, it's, like, what, eight Lenas for one you? Sure. So, take the human down to, well, what's a human to an elephant? I guess four humans tall would be an elephant, like, top of its head. Just height, not, like, width or anything. That's way too much for me. I think four is too much, but... Like, three? Three humans to one elephant? Yeah. Okay, let's say three humans to one elephant. So then that's to house cat size to Homicron. So like three humans to one elephant is a third of... So kitten size. So then if it goes from kitten, like going from human to bat, it's at least like 15 bats to one human. There's probably (laughs) way more. Like 20 bats to one human. So a kitten, take a kitten and divide it by 20... And yeah, like, there's no way they can fucking shoot that. There's no way. <laughs> that's, the, that's the point we're trying to drive here, is there's no way. There's no possible way you would... It would be like shooting a penny out of the air, and you're like, that's a trick shot somebody could make. Except for the fact that you can't throw the penny. It's also flying in a random pattern. It's also dark, and yeah. you can't see well. And sentient, yeah. Like, yeah. there's no fucking way. There's no way, and there's no way, like, they, they hit them, like, one, two, three, like, hit, like, Jake, Cassie, Axe, you know, yeah. Tobias, or whatever. There's no way. And if you had set the Helmicrons up as being, like, oh, yeah, they're the best shooters in the galaxy, even though they're fucking obnoxious, like, maybe, but you didn't, and I assume that they shoot, like, stormtroopers, you know? Yeah, well, they were just, when they were trying to shoot Rachel, who is house cat size to them, they were trying to shoot her, and they couldn't fire a shot that hit. So yeah, like, this is all garbage and bullshit. <laughs> and also, even if those are super low-powered Draken beams, the point of a Draken beam is to shred apart your right. your atoms, and they're hitting tiny, like fly. Like if you hit a fly with a BB gun, it explodes. Like yeah. if you hit a a 20th of a kitten sized bat with a draken beam even at low power it's not gonna live through that no and they were more like oh no my wing blah flutter into the stomach acid this makes no sense alex ah! <laughs> it makes i know <laughs> god oh my god are you ready to continue because like yeah just... okay um so they all fall in the stomach acid and Rachel's still losing it. Next thing you know, Cassie is morphed to humpback whale because remember, time and distance do not matter in this book. So she can be human, humpback whale, instantly. Everyone else is being pulled up onto her back. Rachel gets pulled up onto her back and all of her skin is like burned off and sluicing off because of the stomach acid. And so she needs to morph to get rid of the damage. They make a specific mention that she morphs to grizzly and then back because it didn't matter what she morphed. There is absolutely no payoff or reason to mention this at all. Nope. 
Uh, while this is happening, Tobias points out the Helmicrons are up to something. They can see them on the other side of the stomach using a Draken beam, kind of like a welding torch to cut a hole in the side of Marco's stomach. Ow. The kids... Yeah. So, I'm pretty sure he, he would feel that, you know? Absolutely. Oh. And, like, Jake makes a comment, like, oh, Marco must be feeling, like, a ton of heartburn right now. And, like, even if that's not true, I feel like you could definitely feel, like... A, a cut being made inside your stomach but also like the the blood mixing in with the the stomach acid like i know it says that it it kind of makes a a seal when they're not like forcing themselves into the hole they've created in the side of his stomach but like i have to imagine it's not good to get stomach acid in your blood and i know it's not good to get too much blood in your stomach yeah so it's all bad it's all bad no matter what's happening, this is not good. And also they're like, oh no, what's on the other side of Marco's stomach? And Cassie's like, a vein. I'm like, wait, what? Huh? But I don't know. Maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe <laughs> Cassie knows something I don't know. <laughs> so, um, whatever. They get into this vein. And then the kids watch as the Helmicrons use this vein as like a personal fucking elevator and just step into it and get like slurped up into the bloodstream. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> uh, what's the difference between arteries and veins again? Because veins oh. carry the blood back to the heart, and arteries carry it. Yeah, out. sorry, this isn't this is an artery. Yeah, but they um, say it's a vein, right? They might say it's a vein. What? I'm guessing just by the construction of the word that the arteries must lead directly into the heart, and the vein is probably a thing that branches off of the main artery. Oh, I don't know. That would be my guess based on the way the word is constructed, but I didn't look into this particular aspect of it. I did Google another aspect of this, but I did not look into this aspect of it. Honestly, I didn't care at all because I was so wrapped up in the thought of a tiny alien just getting slurped up into a bloodstream. Like, like what? (laughs) Just what? Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay. Oh, the, it's a blood vessel, is what it says in the book. Okay. I don't know anything about that, so. Also imagine them just pulling apart the skin of his stomach to no. step into this and nope. then getting slurped up. Ew. It's a nightmare. Let's Fuck just it. get through this. I'm sad. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Helmicron starts firing on them, and Jake's like, I order you to stop shooting. And they're all like, oh, no, how's Marco feeling right now? But then nobody cares because the Helmicron's like, we never surrender, blah, 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 blah. And then steps in and gets sucked up into the bloodstream. Uh, The Helmicrons keep going into his blood and nobody can figure out why. They're like, they're just going to drown, aren't they? And they're like, maybe not because they float like a cork and also they have a fungible mind. So maybe they like aren't breathing, man. And then everybody's like, how can they not breathe? They have noses and axes like, well, trees don't really breathe. And it's like, there's so many things yeah, that you just said that <laughs> are such bullshit. Yeah. This is all garbage and bullshit. As I this said is before. all the worst thing I've ever read. Yeah. Um, 
But whatever, the kids are like, fuck it, let's go shark and swim in blood because uh, allegedly it's the only morph that can do whatever it is they're going to go do. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Um, so they get off Cassie as humans because for reasons they couldn't morph to shark and then roll into the stomach acid. Nope. So whatever. That's not how it works. It's not how it works here. And as soon as Rachel makes it to shark, she goes nuts because of the blood smell. Again, I was very surprised that all of a sudden it's like, Rachel is doing this. Because we have no mention of this at any other point before here. Can they smell it that small? Okay. Like, here's the thing. Like, no. No. Because they can see the fucking blood cells. Yeah. so no. No, you can't smell this. Oh my god. Like, you can't have it both ways. No. Pick one of the ways. Jesus. Oh, I hang on. I just got to Thank God. I had to check out the recording cuz I just suddenly had this thought like if I haven't recorded this and I have to do this again, I will actually like have to do something drastic <laughs> sorry anyways i had no reason to think it had stopped i just had to really <laughs> assure it. myself because i cannot serious. face this again no um yeah no there's no fucking way <laughs> there's just no fucking way oh no oh no, oh, no. but let's like i guess pretend for a minute that even though they can't hear sound because sound waves are too big, they can somehow smell because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so Rachel goes nuts. Uh, she swims into Margot's bloodstream. She ends up biting Jake's tail. Jake is mad. Obviously, she bit his tail. And it, this is good because then Rachel gets control. And after Jake yells at her, they all check in. And sure enough, Rachel was the only one to lose control, which is honestly the only canon thing that happens in this entire book. Sure. Um, And then the kids start swimming through the bloodstream, extracting air from it and seeing the red blood cells actually collecting around their gills. They're saying they somehow are getting the oxygen without the blood cells, but also they're swimming in plasma. And then also there's some sort of spiky thing that gets eaten by a Pac-Man thing. And they're like, great, Marco's immune system is working. Like, this is... A scene that they try to describe in a way that's supposed to leave you in awe and wonder of how the human body works but it was i think too much exposition on the shape of things instead of just like like if applegate wrote this scene it would have been like cassie immediately guessing what things are called so you could put a name to it instead of spending 15 minutes about how it's a circly o that's red sticking to their gills Mm -hmm. and then guessing what it is and making two different categories in your brain instead of just one category of what it is in your brain (sighs) a scientific reason why this was not working out for me um whatever uh rachel was like cool 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 and now now she's bored um for no reason i don't really understand there was no payoff to that comment either but they said it so i'm reporting it (laughs) the kids are swimming you come to a tunnel where there's several different avenues and things are being sorted some way they watch a rod go one way we don't know what this rod is mentioned before not really it's green maybe they say presto changeo i don't understand what that meant at all <laughs> nothing suddenly changed oh, shit. 
there's a globby thing that goes another way and they're just like swimming in tight circles trying to stay put and cassie's like i suspect we're by the liver and then they're like well you don't know what the liver does or is and axe is like i'm delivering a scathing review of the public school system and jake tells him to shut up which was very rude and out of character Uh, and they're like, well, we know we don't want to be waste. And they're like, cool, how do we get to the heart? And, um, Rachel's like, follow the sound. They're like, we can't do that. The sound is everywhere. And then Cassie's like, well, the heart's directly above the liver, so let's go up. And then Axe says, eeny, meeny, miny, mo," which again was a reference back to the book where Rachel was swimming under the water, mm-hmm. which is a JTT book. And then Rachel tells him he'll never fit in on the Andalite homeworld now. And Axe says, that's okay. He'd miss Saturday morning cartoons anyways. Because we like to take the biggest wounds that Axe has, prod them, and then have him not react. Yep. The moral of the story is they go up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my boy. Yeah, Axe is my second favorite character in this book after Cassie. Mad baby. He's pretty funny in this book. Yeah. Um. Marco hates everything, and that's probably because he's going to die. They go to the Chi to cover for the rest of the Animorphs, and then he's like, I'm going to go to bed early, and he tells his dad he's not feeling well. But after a few hours of trying to sleep, he gets up because he's agitated and angry, and he's just pacing his room, being mad, and he couldn't figure out why when his dad comes up to check on him. And he snaps at his dad at first and says, I'm fine, and blah, blah, blah. And his dad's like, okay, well, if you don't need me, Nora and I are going to go to that dinner party. And uh, Marco's like, oh, cool. And all of a sudden, he's like super sweet and nice. He's like, that's fine, dad. Daddy, go to your dinner party, daddy. Daddy, Daddy, go. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then his dad left. And Marco's like, I'm going to go after this camera again. So he goes to the basement, defrosts a steak, and then heads out. He gets to the apartment complex. The Chi is still keeping watch over the building. And Marco goes, I thought about asking him for a hologram or something to cover me. But then I didn't. Because it's this book is why he didn't. Because that's a great fucking plan, Marco. Good job. Yeah, and he's he's like, but the Chi won't get involved because they're not violent. And it's like, this wouldn't be violent. There's nothing violent about this except the dog attacking him, which the hologram would prevent. Right. So so he just climbed. I just I'm going to keep going. I can't. I can't. (laughs) So he climbs up the fire escape, throws a steak to the dog. The dog seemed to be having trouble eating it. And like. They start mentioning its salivation and how its jaw didn't seem to be working correctly. Whatever. Marco ha- gets the camera, grabs it. It's in his hand when he hears voices and freaks out and drops the camera. Dummy. It's in his hand. Just go out the window. It's in your hand. So you get caught. <laughs> Somebody sees you going out the window. Big fucking deal. You have a head start. It's in your hand. In my hands. In my hands again. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. So the kids are swimming and it's getting louder and louder. The thumping of Marco's heart. And nobody's talking at this point because I don't know. I guess they're all in awe of the heart and the thump thump noise. And more and more arteries were dumping into this main channel now. And the kids are kind of being swept along. They make it to the chamber right in front of the pulmonary valve. Did look that one up. This is the valve that keeps the blood from flowing backwards out of the heart. And uh, they're like, 
Well, we don't know where the Helmicrons are, but let's take this moment to regroup and decide that no matter what, we have to attack the Helmicrons. Because we weren't clear that we had to attack the Helmicrons on this entire mission until just now when we pause outside the heart and decide we have to attack the Helmicrons. Go fig. Yeah, wow. I didn't know what we were here for until now. The final chapters of this book. I had no idea. Thank God they cleared that for me. They go through the valve. The flow is intense. Blah, blah, blah. They're in there. They suddenly hear the Helmicrons arguing over what power to shoot the heart with. Because one says low and one says high. And it's a, a thing, apparently. Instead of just saying, shoot with whatever you want, just go on my count. Jake's like... Don't fire. We'll help you get out of here and give you the power source. And the Helmicrons are like, it's way too late for that. Shoot him on my count. And they start doing like a three, two, one. And Rachel can barely sense where they are, but starts desperately swimming towards them to try and stop them. We cut to Marco's perspective. He's hiding under the bed. The dog is going nuts. He could hear a female voice in the hallway and then see the doorknob turning. Marco, who is hiding under the bed, leaves. Is he under, under the, the bed, bed or is he in the closet? He leaves under the bed to slam himself in the closet when oh, he sees right, the right. doorknob turning because I don't know. I have no because. Yeah, so this dog is barking and viciously trying to get through a crack in the door. The woman comes into the room, sees the dog flipping out and goes, good boy. It's like, why? <laughs> what did he do? Like, instead of shut up or like, stop barking. It was like, good boy. What the fuck are you doing? Attack yeah. that closet. And then Marco's like, I gotta morph. I just gotta do it. There's, you know, I don't know. I just gotta, gotta do it. And then he knows somewhere in the back of his mind that his decision-making skills are compromised, but he was so mad he didn't care. And then he starts going into this tirade about, like, my friends haven't even contacted me for hours. I don't care if they're dead in my body. It's my body. So, like, he starts wow. morphing. And then after he starts shrinking, all of his friends are like, contact him. And they're like, no, Marco, what are you doing? Ah! And like, Cassie's the only one that's like, oh, if he's morphing, he must be in some like deep shit. And uh, Marco's like, oh, my friends are scared. Good for them. I've been afraid to die this whole time. Fuck them. And uh, they're like begging him to stop. And he's like, I don't give a shit. And then the lady opens the closet door and sees him. And she goes, oh, my God, call the landlord. This is the biggest cockroach I've ever seen. Because somehow in this dump, in a neighborhood that's abandoned, an apartment complex that they keep calling out for being shitty, the, the landlord's going to care about a single cockroach? Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Maybe he's just really goes above and beyond the call of duty. He's doing his best. <laughs> his dad left him this place and he's trying to get into a respectable business. I care more about this landlord than I do anything that happens in this book from here on out. Jesus. Uh, so everybody's trapped in this twisting, melting bunch of organs. Ah, scary. Ah, do are we going to be crushed or no? Ah, the Helmicrons are suddenly flushed away. The kids kind of get clumped together. Cassie's like, don't panic. It's going to be over in a minute. And then it was over in a minute. Then the Helmicrons are like, ha, you thought we were killed? No, not us. The Helmicrons, the greatest of all time. And then they proceed to fire their way out of Marco. They're like... Like, the Helmicrons are like, we're gonna do this and, like, burrow out this way. And then the Animorphs are all mad. They try and contact Marco. Like, Marco, are you okay? Are you alive? Blah, blah, blah. But there's no answer at all. And then Jake's like, don't expect an answer. He's gone. And Rachel is overcome with rage to kill the Helmicrons. So then 
Rachel lunges at one of the Halmacrons because they're somehow nearby all of a sudden. Again, time, distance don't matter. <laughs> uh, at first, the Halmacrons continued on as if they were victorious, but then uh, one of the Halmacrons dropped a Draken beam, which I think Cassie gets a hold of. It was kind of unclear, but I think Cassie was the one that grabbed it. And they decide to blast their way out of Marco going through his lungs. And, like, <laughs> not the Helmicrons. The Animorphs decide this. And, like, they're like, well, we gotta get out of here one way or another. He's already gone, so blast him. Fuck it. Fuck it. We're going through the lungs. So they create a passageway into the lungs. And they're, like, they're telling the Helmicrons, you can leave with us now or we can kill you. And then the Helmicrons, who have never done this before, ever, just go... Well, we're beaten. I guess we're going to go with you. Aw, and I guess we'll unshrink you because you got us. What? 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 <sighs> so they go through the lungs. There's some passageways on out on the side of the cockroach, whatever. They leave. Then the kids don't see the Helmicron ship directly in front of them as they leave Marco. And they're all like, what the hell? Why isn't it here? And, like, that's when they finally figure out that, like, Marco's been doing other shit. And Jake's like, I thought we'd just walk out of Marco and the ship would be right there. And it's like, why are you so dumb? Like, (laughs) my notes literally say they are all very dumb in this book and I hate it. Because, like, why? Even if he was in the barn, why would you assume that? Anyways... There's some threats and Cassie's blathering on about cockroaches and everybody's mad at the prospect of living the rest of their lives in this tiny form trying to get back to the ship and blah, blah, blah. And finally Cassie's like, listen, I am not blathering on. Roaches have a backup system. Also, Marco has somehow now been in morph for an hour and 55 minutes magically. Conveniently. Conveniently. It's an hour and 55 minutes. Okay, so here's how the rest of this chapter goes. They all start yelling at him, and it's supposed to be this moment of, like, again, in the hands of a capable writer, it would have been very cool. Like, each Animorph is showing this way that they interact with Marco. Like, Axe is just doing this very clinical countdown. Jake is trying to be like, hey, man, remember, like, when blah, blah, blah happened? Rachel's trying to do, like, jokey insults. Tobias is letting his own fears about being a Nothlet come through to Marco, which, mm-hmm. again, was extremely effective in the book where they almost got stuck as wolves. But, like, in here it made no sense. Also, Axe is doing a five-minute countdown. So the way this is written, one person would be like, no, Marco, you got to get up. You got to fight through it, man. Axe is like, five minutes and then tobias would be like no you can't get stuck forever as a nothlet axe would be like four minutes so the yeah, way this it counts down like, like seconds instead yeah. of minutes and so like the way this would actually play out is like you have five minutes no marco come back okay you have four minutes no marco come back to us like what what the fuck kind of scene is that yeah what is this yeah they were trying to heighten the tension, I think, but it just kind of didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm beyond yelling. I'm whispering now. <laughs> I'm so mad. I've shifted from breaking the audio to just not registering on the audio. <laughs> Anyways, Marco eventually just starts demorphing and Axe tells the Helmicrons to shut up, which is weird. Yay! Um, That's my favorite. When he tells the Homicrons to shut up? 
Yeah. I can dig it. I just thought it was weird. But I can yeah, dig it. Yeah, was, it wasn't very Axe-like, but the fact that Jake told him to shut up earlier and that he then told the Helmicrons to shut up, I don't know. <laughs> He's like I bought mimicking it. dad. Yeah. <laughs> to the younger <laughs> <Basically>. brother. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Marco, something with Jake. Uh, Jake wants to say he's in trouble, but he can't because he's just so happy he's alive. Rachel, who's very tiny, hits Marco, who's very large, and acts relays that Rachel hit him and also that he'd be in trouble. And also, apparently, Rachel is now omnipotent and knows exactly what jokes Marco is saying, even though she can't hear him. Right. You may ask yourself, Alex, did you write down those jokes to tell us what they were? And the answer is no. <laughs> so <laughs> Marco morphs to Gull, flies back to the barn, grabs a camera, has it in his beak. They decide to burn it because developing the film was too risky because there's no possible way that a genius alien from outer space could figure out how to develop film because that level of rocket surgery is just beyond him. <laughs> so... They get the ship, the Helmicrons unshrink them, they pinky promise never to come to Earth again, or at least wait until last, all while still trying to steal the blue box with their tractor beams, which Rachel and Marco managed to grab, and I guess at this point the Helmicrons leave, and then Cassie rehides it, and they don't ever worry about the fact that the Helmicrons have the technology to find it again, which we know they have. <sighs> so, good job, idiots then everybody goes home to do homework and hang out and they say spend quality time with their parents even though nobody does that <laughs> uh rachel is looking at something for school then she remembers the spiky thing in marco's bloodstream she saw being eaten by the pac-man thing so she googles it and finds out it's rabies and that's why he morphed because his judgment was already compromised and she should call and let him off the hook with everybody and explain to them that of course Marco didn't mean it and now he's healed himself but he missed the window to get the shots to live and he was going to die and that's why he had to morph and blah blah blah. But then she decides she wants everybody to be mad at Marco for another 12 hours and she'll call in the morning. And that's the end of this book. Uh... Tell me your feelings. They're negative. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I felt that in the first Helmicron book, I came on really strong with my hate of the Helmicrons. And I hope you now understand that it was just a lot of hate from this book bleeding through. Okay. Because, like, yeah, you had the knowledge that they were going to be back. Yeah, like, I had the knowledge that this book happened and yeah. that I hated them. And also, I got really excited at the Buffy Human book when you were like, you told me the Helmicrons would be back, but I didn't realize it would be in this way because I realized that I had <laughs> fooled you and I was delighted. But then this book happened and I'm yeah. not delighted and I'm sorry. So, did you feel the Helmicrons were properly depicted in this book as compared to the first book? No, I don't think they were the same. I don't think they followed the same guidelines at all. Okay. Um, but I, I also don't think the characters followed the same guidelines at all. And I don't... This book just made no sense. Like, no. none of the characters were themselves and... The decisions that were made, like, it, it was almost frustrating because, more frustrating 
because of things like when Marco has that thought, like, I should get the chi to make a hologram to cover me, which is genius. That's a great thought that Marco should have. And then, like, nothing happens. Or, like, Jake goes, oh, you guys started a fight between the male and female homicrons. Okay, we can work with this. And then nothing yeah. happens. Like, yeah. And there's so many opportunities that present themselves. And it was like somehow, like, it just didn't connect for for the author of this book. Like, it just didn't. It's like I set it up and a swing and a miss and a swing and a miss. And it's like uh, you set up that this scenario was going to happen. Then you never paid it off. And, like, half of my frustration is with the fact that you gave me expectations and then destroyed them in such a stupid way and the other half is just that it wasn't good just nothing about this book was good i feel like like i think you nailed it like the biggest disappointments i've had with some of our least favorite books were the fact that they had really interesting premises and really interesting ideas introduced that just weren't followed up on Mm -hmm. because that's how i felt about like Jake's last book and that's how I felt about um what other book did I not like the Atlantis book I think oh I yeah had some misgivings about like but even that one was like fun at least yeah like it's it's not really in the same league as as this book and and last book but like yeah I mean I like I sped through this book and I the whole time I was just grateful that it didn't piss me off like the last book did but i didn't realize how much of it really didn't make sense until we talked about it yeah i honestly the best part of this book was how quick of a read it was because it is a very quick read yeah but that's like that's the best thing i can say about it honestly yeah and it wasn't i i know i said this at at the top but like it wasn't a rachel book it wasn't an anybody book like it was not from a perspective at all. Here's the things that I think would have been great from this book, like that are very good ideas. First of all, as you said, I didn't even think of this one until you said it, but the portable Kendrona rays that we were promised at the beginning, that's mm-hmm. a big fucking deal. If Yeah. Like that's going to expand them into every corner of the world. They won't be kind of stuck to these places where they can have these massive mm-hmm. pools. Yeah. That's huge. That's like, that's probably one of the biggest things to ever happen in these books yeah and nothing came of it Mm -hmm. marco getting rabies and slowly making worse and worse decisions especially as a person who always makes the best decisions very interesting would love to explore that like yeah would be great any sort of like Helmicron subterfuge of like shrinking them down super tiny and them having to like figure out how to fight the Helmicrons like that, we never even get to that point. Like, they never have a successful match with the Helmicrons. Mm-hmm. And, like, they should be able to think their way through this because all of them are extremely smart. So the fact that they were so stupid in this book was just frustrating because it's like... Yeah. Like, the the scenario that we pointed out earlier with, like, oh, half of us will stay and half of us will go. And then, like, you know, it would have... The, in the first book, Marco and Cassie immediately started fucking with them and saying, like, oh, no, like, well, who's going to do this? And it caused a fight and, like, Marco groveling and then, like, not worrying about it. Like, mm-hmm. they could have 
easily been like, well, are the men going to come with us or the women? And then, like, started that fight and then snuck away and then, like, been able to do blah, blah, blah. And, oh, my God. It... Well, and the fact that they didn't have Marco with them could have created something interesting because then they could have been like, oh, well, like, what would Marco have done in this situation? Yeah. Oh, my God. Or the fact that somebody took a picture of them. Like, yeah, that's it could have been like another David situation, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And it's like, you don't have to worry about rehashing old books because you've already done that, but badly. Like, you could have at least picked a more interesting premise than Journey to the Center of Marco. It, yes, it was literally like, little Timmy loves the magic school bus. How can we recreate it in a book? Ugh. I, just... I, I really wonder how much of the quality of these books is affected by deadlines and time. Because I think I want to believe that this was, these books were really tight turnarounds. And that's not mm-hmm. to say that like a tight turnaround equals like the, a bad book. Cause obviously some of our authors have done a really, really good job. Yeah. But I think just more time to stew and explore different possibilities for this book would have made it better. I, it just feels like it was rushed. Which is how I felt about the last book, too. I agree with that. And, uh, I mean, the only thing that's... <sighs> I mean, maybe I'll regret saying this later, but I think that of the authors we've had so far, the ghostwriters we've had so far, for the most part, they've done a good job. And even if it was a tight deadline... Like, we've had some stinkers in there, but, like, there was always a a coherent sort of plot to it. With this one, it was like maybe they were under the same tight deadline constraints, but also based on the work that this author did on the Choose Your Own Adventure books, mm-hmm. like they're just not good. Like they just don't yeah. have the skill set or the talent for this. And I realized like when we go into the Choose Your Own Adventures, those I I didn't really want to like rank her abilities on this because it maybe you don't know how to do a choose your own adventure because who does really like you it's a it's a talent and maybe it was just thrown at you and you don't really know how to handle it and so like it just read like two separate stories that you were rehashing from old books but then we look at this one and it's like you just tried to write another choose your own adventure book based on the earlier books but without the choosing your adventure part yeah it was like, oh, I did have to read the first 10 books for the Choose Your Own Adventures, so what I'm going to do is just take all the pieces of those and stick it in here without accounting for another 30 books worth of growth that we've gone through as an audience together. I, I, I really got the sense that the this author didn't really read a lot of the of the previous books. No, it felt like they read some early ones and then just, yeah. like... And some summaries bleh. and some, like, you know... Uh, yeah. Um, over over Thanksgiving break, I was talking to uh, my friend Joey, who writes books, and um, he's done some IP writing for uh, another uh, children's series. And I was, I was kind of asking him a little bit about, like, how does, how does the process work, like, ghostwriting? Mm-hmm. And he... I don't remember exactly what he said, unfortunately, but um, he was he was basically saying, like, it depends on the series. Um, sometimes the editors are really involved and sometimes the authors themselves are directly involved. And a lot of the times 
the the ghost writers and the IP writers will create pitches for books mm-hmm. and they'll use that as kind of an audition to get their mm. their book written in the series. Interesting. And I just thought that was really interesting because that's a that's a um an avenue I hadn't quite thought about. Like yeah. I always thought it was just like Applegate coming up with all these synopsises and then handing them out for other people to write. But like maybe she just wasn't involved at all, you know what I mean? That's interesting cuz I thought I had and I could be totally wrong about this. I thought I had remembered reading that that's how she did do it was like she had the outline okay. and then handed it off. Um <sighs> I'd like, love to ask her directly. I think Catherine, it, come on our podcast. <laughs> I mean, we could email her. No, I think it's it's in a few like Reddit AMAs, and I'll have to like, go back through okay. and like find them. But I thought I had read that somewhere. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that would be really interesting to find out, and like also the level of involvement because I feel like at this point we can kind of discern. In some books that are ghostwritten, we can kind of discern where she left off and let somebody else pick up just based on the tonal shift. But in this book, I have no idea if she was even aware this one was being written, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, this is so out of left field. Yeah. (sighs) Well, with that, shall we rate characters? Yeah, let's rate. Let's rate Jake. (laughs) From State Farm. (laughs) From State Farm. (laughs) Let me load up our handy-dandy character rating Google Sheets mobile. Oh, it's a mobile now. Mobile. We derive it from the drive. I heard you like drive, so I put a Google Drive in your... My God, please tell me what you thought about Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Not positive. Kind of weird and boring and not not good didn't really do it for me huh <laughs> I mean, he was there he he was there he was a warm body he didn't really do anything i would say more than he didn't do anything he negatively affected the outcomes by being a fucking idiot <laughs> uh especially with the the discussions with the helmicrons yeah what are you gonna give him i might just give him a two because i don't want to oh i was gonna it. i was gonna give him a one all right okay uh let's leave rachel for last i don't know why it wasn't like she fucking narrated this book or anything but let's do it and go over to tobias i don't know he was there he <laughs> didn't offend me but he right. also didn't do anything yeah three yeah, three. Three Middle for me. Road. Middle of the road, three. A cowardly three. I did like when they all held each other's hands when they were going to go really small, and Rachel held his little wing. Yeah. There was a few <laughs> um, instances like that, or like when Rachel was falling behind, Tobias specifically would check in with her, or like, yeah. you know, when she was going to do the morphing and the acid, he warned her, like, please go as fast as possible, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Give him a three. Yeah. Uh, what about Axe? He had some good lines. He did. And he's my baby. He did. And he is. <laughs> I'm just going to give him a five because I love him. I'm going to give him a four only because, like, I liked him a lot in this book, but I just don't 
want to because it was just so bad overall. <laughs> it's too high a praise. It's too high a praise for this book to give a character a five in this book. What about... <coughs> choking. Don't die. My body's literally protesting talking about this book. <laughs> no. Um, who the fuck? Cassie. Cassie. Nope. Marco Wait. first. Right? Wait. No, it's Cassie first. Cassie. Thank God. My God, She's my brain's shutting down. Oh, Cassie was shit. the most in character, I thought. Um, yes, I agree. And, um, seeing her excited about the body, too, was... The sphincter. Pretty great. The sphincter. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna give her a five. I agree. I'm gonna give her a five as well. Nice. Because I really did like her a lot in this book. She was very fun. She was fun, Cassie. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. Okay. It's fun. Um, okay, what about Marco? Marco. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I, like, I don't know how to feel about him. I also don't have any strong feelings. And also, like, normally I have examples about things I liked and didn't like that they did in this book. But I truly, other than extreme annoyance at his seemingly seeming inability to grab a camera i have no <laughs> real feelings about him in this book yeah like uh. his jokes weren't funny but they also weren't terrible but like it was nothing it was nothing it was nothing i'm going to give him a 2.5 i would have given him a three but yeah the camera stuff was stupid so he gets docked half a point for that. <laughs> I'm gonna give him a two for being a butterfingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Miss Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Like, I don't want to give her a five, and I always give Rachel a five, but like, she wasn't even fucking in this book. I mean, she wasn't too far off from her character. I thought she was time. way far off the character. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking specifically of, like, when she got mad and did things. I don't know. I'm I'm tired. I want to think about it. <laughs> uh, okay. Like, we'll hurry up and end this. But, like, so, yes. I mean, I know what you're saying about, like, oh, yeah, when she was angry and blah, blah, blah. And, like, Rachel gets that kind of, like, rage, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing thing though it never it, it was like the hollowest expression of herself like it was a shell of what she was like yeah. and like normally when i read this if we're talking about like rachel getting mad like when she thought marco was dead and she went like nuts to kill the helmicrons yeah i never once felt that she was mad i never got that rage and normally that would be like a big moment to latch on to with her. Like, oh, I can yeah. see why she's mad. And, oh, her feelings for Marco are, like, shining through Ooh. even though she shows annoyance with him. Instead, like, you know, in this scenario, she wants to, like, fight for her teammate. And, like, that would be a big thing. Like, a big feeling moment. And in this book, it was like, you should feel that Rachel's sad. And then she got mad because Marco died. And she tacked a helmicron, okay? You feel that? Because so, I wrote it. So, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rectify, like, do I think she had a believable emotion versus how it was written? Like, I mm -hmm. do think she mm -hmm. would be pissed. 
in that oh, yeah. It wasn't very well written or depicted, but I do think she would be pissed and try to kill the Helmicrons. <sighs> that's fair. That so is fair. That's that's just like where I'm coming from with this situation. Like there there wasn't really a time where I felt like that's a really weird thing for Rachel to do, like I felt in the Cheetah book. Mm, mm-hmm. True. It, except for maybe like the Marco hug consideration thing. That was That was weird. Know. That was awkward. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's not like she's out of character per se. It was just so bland. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that would be my argument for that. But Okay. That's no, that's a good argument. That's that made me feel better. I mean, I guess I'll just fucking give her a five, because like fuck, but <laughs> do what you want. I'm going to give her a four. That's fair. <laughs> I said without any emotion or conviction in my voice. Um, yeah. The Helmicrons like, get a negative 40,000. Helmicrons get blasted off the face of this planet. Yes. I would like to be the one to finally shoot them out of this galaxy. <laughs> what an honor it would be. It would be the highlight of my life. Like, and what a cool fucking thing to travel through a bloodstream and things like how this could be so cool this does make me want to watch the magic school bus where they go inside the human body though i mean do it it's probably better than this book yeah <laughs> i need a palate cleanser after this. yeah no kidding <sighs> yeah we did it hopefully the next book is not as bad as the last two books have been let's see what the next book is let me look is it toblerone it is yes yes it is check it out and do 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 what are you morphing into my little boy ew oh no ew ew <laughs> oh, no. i said you weren't gonna like oh, this it is a bad thing to happen okay well that's gonna be something looking forward to that I mean, the the next book was one of the very last Animorphs books that I ever read. Really? Yeah, like in the way that it was one of the few outstanding ones that I I hadn't read. So I kind of remember it fondly because I remember discovering it and being like, oh, yay, I get to like read this. And I haven't, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then after that, we get into the final 10 books. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And that's going to be a goddamn roller coaster of emotion. Oh, dear. (laughs) I guess, just to make predictions, I kind of have a sense that at least the last, like, three or four books are going to be all just one big multi-parter kind of like the david saga it's just going to be like each book is going to end on a cliffhanger and then continue into the next book but i could be wrong i mean you'll find out soon enough i will and i'm scared aren't we all Mm -hmm. well if you want to email me about how mean i was to (laughs) emily costello in this book um which i unapologetically was you can do that at anonymousanimorphs at (laughs) gmail.com 
And if you want to write it to me in a public forum to shame me publicly, you can do that on our, our Facebook group, which is Animorphs Anonymous, or you can join our super secret, super awesome uh, group on Facebook, which is the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. You can tweet at us. We will not answer. It's at Animorphs Anon. <laughs> you can Instagram us at Animorphs Anonymous. And uh, that's all the, the social media. You can find this podcast and other podcasts, but mostly our podcast. Don't listen to anybody else. Um, you can find us at Google Play, <laughs> Pocket Cast, Stitcher, iTunes. Com- po- what? Comics Republic? Dear God, I'm already Hell in the yeah. next section. Podcast Republic and the like. Tell me about Comics Republic and your comic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I write and draw a webcomic. It is called B-Side You. You can check that out at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U comic.com. Go read it. There's going to be some fresh new pages coming up. And I'm really excited for you to look at them with your eyeballs. And my favorite page of all time came out today for the patrons, which oh. I am one of. And it was extremely exciting. So if Yay. you are a big Queen fan like me, maybe oh, yeah. become a patron. Hooray! If you like comics as well, as well as Casey's comic, if you like other forms of comic, you can find me as the accidental third host of uh, a Superboy podcast called <laughs> Cadmus to Crisis. Uh, I know nothing about Superboy or Superman, so the content is quality with a capital K. Uh, So I think that's it. I think those are all the things that we need to to tell you about. We We did did another book, number 42, The Meaning of the Universe is Helmicrons. I'm just really super duper, a duper excited that this is coming to a close. Um, I'm sad I, that... I do have to post this at some point because that means we will have to revisit it. But um, I'm just glad to be done reading and recording it. <laughs> Huzzah! We can put this one back in the box and never touch it again. I wondered why this was one of the cleanest copies, the book copy in my collection. And <laughs> it's because it should never be read. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, dear. Uh, spine, not bent. No scuff marks on this one. No Aww. one loved it. <laughs> yeah, let's get in our Barbie Jeep and drive the fuck out of here. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Ah, 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 yeah. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Sorry. Okay, bye. Bye.